to the Last Gen Podcast brought to you by Miracle Word Ministries. These episodes are specifically created with students in mind. More than ever before, we must know why we believe what we believe, build strong faith, and stay on fire for God. We know that Jesus is coming soon, and we're going to live like this is the last generation. Are you ready? Let's go. Uh, hold on. Oh, gosh. I literally <laughs> I was just going to try to do an ASMR for you guys, but it like went down the wrong wind. Uh, the wrong windpipe. Anyways, what, what an awful way to start a podcast. Anyways, welcome. Welcome, you who are listening. Um, I'm assuming there are males and females listening. I'm assuming there's ranges of ages and ethnicities listening, ranges of origins and states that are listening. And I welcome you all. There is no partiality here. Um, but welcome to all of you guys who are the regular listeners. I commend you. Listen, I'm so thankful for those of you guys. Um, and there are a ton of you that are super, not faithful to this podcast as in, or like faithful to this ministry as in it's like a cult, but a faithful um, believer, a fa- someone who's faithful to God. And your, your resource, one of your resources for that and for um, teaching and growing in the word, growing in a relationship with God is the last gen. I want to thank you for that um, because you guys, you guys are awesome. There's like, you know, there would be a way to do this ministry where, you know, I just put out stuff and, and just release content with no concern for who's on the other side of the, uh, of the microphone um, or who's on the other side of the screen when we're doing video content or stuff like that. But you know, because, you know, there's a, there, there are many people, let me just tell you, there are many people who have ministries, um, that are very disconnected from their audience, very disconnected from their audience. Um, not because they want to be just because their audience doesn't really, um, number one, they're not as good as you guys. They suck. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But you guys are, you guys are better. You guys are like, the greatest. So I'm glad that I, that I know you guys, like I know a lot of you guys by name. I know where you're from. I know your life. I, you know, so it's, it's great to know who's on the other side. And I'm also so thankful, um, for you guys who are very connected so much so that you'll wake up at four five and six in the morning, um, to jump on you know, four five, six and seven in the morning to jump on, um, the Bible study that we do every single Friday morning. I mean, I'm thankful for that. Cause in my head and you know, like in my head, I was like, all right, we're going to schedule this for 7am. Who is going to show up to a 7am Bible study? Because, you know, and I was like, all right, if we get like five kids on, that's fine. You know, we'll, we'll study the Bible together. We had like 16, 17, 18. Um, and we've got a steady, steady, uh, you know, of like 12 to 15 people, 12 to 16 people every week. Um, and that's amazing. Like you guys, and part of me, I, I like the uh, small group aspect because I can talk to each one of you. I know I know all of y'all by name, but if you haven't jumped on that and want to jump on, obviously there's room for you. I want you to join the group. I want you to be a part of the family. Um, it's just a great, great group of people. Like, I, I love you guys for real. Um, you guys make my day. You make it all worth it. Um, but yeah, so, so thank you to you guys who are very faithful and, and jump on this podcast every single week when it's released. Um, it does mean a lot, and I, and I love that you guys are hungry for God. I know it means a lot to God. Um, and then I also want to say, if you didn't check out the 
last episode of the Last Gen Podcast, you need to check that out. It is not I who is on the uh, recording or on the podcast. We actually had a guest evangelist. Now, I'm not too sure about his doctrine. He might be a little bit screwy with his doctrine. and ad- No, I'm just kidding. He's, he's solid. Um, my friend, your evangelist, <laughs> Evangelist Preston Shuttlesworth, um, was on the podcast. He is a phenomenal minister of the word, a phenomenal teacher. You don't want to miss it because he talked about... The title was, How to Guard What God Gives You. How to Guard What God Gives You. And he's basically talking about the fact, and I've talked about this a lot, but I'm, I'm glad he um, covered it from, from his perspective because he, he had a lot to say that, you know, I listened to that podcast not because, you know, it's the podcast, but it's because I wanted to get built up. I wanted to learn things. I wanted to grow in my spirit. So I listened to it to receive, and it was a great episode, a fantastic episode. He's talking about how how practically do you go home from summer camp, go home from youth revival, go home from this youth retreat after you've gotten on fire for God or whatever, a revival meeting, um, and how to guard what God gives you instead of just letting it fizzle out. And he gave you points and practical things. Um, you know, and he's he's just a, a great guy. He's an honorable fellow, if I do say so myself. I like him a lot. But go check it out. Um, go listen to it. It will definitely encourage you. Now, today, today, we are jumping into something that I'm excited to teach about. Um, basically, just so you guys know how this kind of works, um, how I like pick topics. Basically, I've got all this content just like floating around, right? I've got all this thing, things I want to cover floating around in my belly, right? It's just like a, like like alphabet soup. It's all floating around. Um, how I pick a topic typically is something happens during the week that triggers it, and it'll come to the top of my spirit, and I just go off of that. Um, so I've been wanting to cover this topic for a while, but. There was nothing that got me like fired up about it or whatever, because it's always good to 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 go when you're fired up about it. So we're we're gonna talk today, and uh, I want you to take notes. I do because this is going to be something that you can carry through your entire life. Because I promise you, you will be challenged on it. I promise you, you will be challenged on it. Okay, um, now being. Pentecostal and being charismatic. I'm, I'm definitely coming from a Pentecostal charismatic perspective. I don't try to hide that ever. I'm never ashamed that I'm Pentecostal or charismatic. I'm never ashamed that I believe in the, the gifts of the spirit and miracles, signs and wonders. You, you listen to me for five minutes and you know that. So I'm, I'm not coming at this from an unbiased perspective, but I want you who are also charismatic and Pentecostal to understand this because this right here, Aside, like, if you were to look at how we believe at Miracle Word Ministries and how I know you guys believe, because if you didn't believe the way we believe, um, you would hate us and you would not listen to the podcast and stuff and you wouldn't listen to my uncle preaching. Um, it's basically like people either um, get on board, realize, you know, it's biblical, or they storm out in like a rage, fit of rage. These prosperity preaching, I can't. Even. So. <laughs> So I know you guys are either questioning or you're on board. You understand it. So I'm not trying to convince you. 
But just in case there are other people from other camps of Christianity, this is not an attack against you. I truly want you to see what the Bible is saying. And if you were to look at our beliefs at Miracle Word Ministries and our beliefs as Pentecostal charismatic Christians um, and the way we believe, if you were to pick out just a couple things that I would say you'd be attacked on the most and, and going throughout your life, people will question you, people will malign you, people will persecute you, people will um, speak against you, people will challenge you on these beliefs. Number one, I would say it would be prosperity. Number one, that is where you're going to get attacked. But closely after number two will be the fact that we believe that the Holy Spirit and his gifts, miracles, signs, and wonders are still in operation and normative today for every single believer. Let me say that again. We believe, I believe, that the Holy Spirit and his gifts, signs, wonders, and miracles are still in operation and normative. What does normative mean? Should be expected, should be considered the norm for every believer in 2022. Now, if you grew up in Pentecostal church and you're thinking, yeah, Alex, I believe that too. Why is that controversial? Um, it is very controversial. If you grew up like me, who didn't grow up in a, not necessarily a cessationist church, but not a charismatic church by any means, um, this might make more sense to you. Or if you grew up in a stark um, cessationist church, this will make sense to you. And if you grew up in a Pentecostal church, this is definitely for you because you need to know how to defend what you believe. I mean, it's like, I think a lot of the times people who grew up in Pentecostal church but never took the time to know and believe what, like, know why they believe what they believe, it's like, it's the same thing as, like, um, homeschoolers going into public school and being surprised that there's wickedness. Why are they saying these bad words? I've never heard this before. I don't understand. It's like, yeah, because you, um, have been sheltered and that's not true of every homeschooler i know my my cousins are homeschoolers and they're by no means sheltered in the way that like they don't understand what's going on i mean they're young but my aunt and uncle do a good job of like explaining to them um this is what the world acts like they're not going to be like us but there are some homeschoolers that are shocked like beyond mortified that go into public school maybe in high school or college even and then they see like, oh my gosh, is that alcohol? It's like, yeah, that's what sinners do. They sin. Um, so don't be like that when it comes to the knowledge, your knowledge of the Bible. Today we're talking about, and you've seen the title, and I'm, I'm trying my best, y'all, to be quick about this. Not quick, but I could go for hours on this. The title today, America's Favorite False Teaching, Debunking Cessationism. America's favorite false teaching, debunking cessationism. What is cessationism? We have to first cover that. We have to first cover that. What is cessationism? Maybe you've heard that term before or cessationist. Maybe you've heard that. But what is it? Here's a, here's a definition of cessationism by a cessationist. So I'm not twisting words. I'm not getting like, I'm not building a straw man fallacy. 
But this is from a cessationist website um, on the question, what is cessationism? This is the definition from their point of view. Cessationism is the view that the quote-unquote miracle gifts of tongues and healing have ceased. That the end of the apostolic age brought about cessation, or the word cessation, by the way, just means a, a stopping, ceased, cessation, of the miracles associated with that age. Most a cessationist believe that while God can still do and perform miracles today, the Holy Spirit no longer uses individuals to perform miraculous signs. Cessationists as a wide um, group believe that the gifts of the Spirit, miracles, signs, and wonders, um, that including healing, that including the working of miracles, including tongues, including interpretation of tongues, prophecy, including word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, all of those gifts, in their view, you know, miraculous faith, all of those gifts, in their view, have ceased. And they ceased at the end of the apostolic age. And what that means is when the last apostle died. So they would say, yes, we know that miracles happened in the Bible, but we should not expect miracles to happen today because that was just for that time period. That's what a cessationist would believe. Now, you know me and you know this ministry. We are, I, there is not a doctrine that I you know, outside of like heresies about Jesus, you know, saying that he like went to hell and, you know, saying that Jesus isn't the Messiah, stuff like that. There is not a doctrine that I will oppose stronger than cessationism. I oppose cessationism very, very strongly. Now, if you're a cessationist and you're listening, that does not mean I oppose you as a person. I oppose this false teaching that is not biblically rooted. Listen to me. There is no basis in the Bible for this teaching. In fact, you'll see time and time again why this teaching is debunked by the Bible and by church history. Why do I call this America's favorite false teaching? Because Americans, by and large, the American church they think they're too smart for God. Americans, by and large, think they're too smart for God, too educated. So when it comes to something that they don't want to believe, they'll find, they'll try to find uh, an intellectual way to uh, ignore it and oppose it. Americans with their PhDs, their seminaries, their, you know, an abundance of quote-unquote knowledge and wisdom and technology, stuff like that, in doing in, in an overemphasis on that, they've become too smart for God. Like, oh, that's silly. So we, you know, no, we, we found a better way. You know, now we just quietly, we quietly um, just pray. and It's all intellectual. Americans have become too smart for God. So they think. And that is the, ba I believe, that is the basis in cessationism. So three, maybe four, I'll maybe add another one, but I want you to take notes. Three cessationist arguments, the three main cessationist arguments, and why we know 
that this is not true. Now you ask, if, if we're not cessationist, what are we? We are continuationist or charismatic. Continuationist means the gifts, the miracles, the signs and wonders continue. Like I said before, we believe in the, in the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the working of the Holy Spirit, signs, wonders, miracles, that they're normative today and they're still to be expected. We're continuationists. So three cessationistic arguments that major intellectual Christians make on the daily. And it's funny because I'm not by any means saying that these, um, these scholars, these Christians, because lots of Christian scholars are cessationists. There's, there's few Pentecostal um, well-learned scholars. But I'm not saying they're dumb. I'm saying they're, they're trying to take intellectual matters and use that as a way to ignore what they don't want to believe. Three arguments from cessationists that are ridiculous. These are the three main arguments. Number one. The quote-unquote sign gifts were only for the first 12 apostles to authenticate the message of the gospel, but died out with the last apostle. The sign gifts were only for the first 12 apostles to authenticate the message of the gospel, but died out with the last apostle. They would say, yes, Paul did many great miracles. Yes, Peter did many great miracles. Yes, Jesus did many great miracles. We see miracles all throughout the book of Acts. Yes, we understand that. But that was only, that was special for the first 12 apostles to, um, for God to confirm the message of the gospel. And once, once the apostles died, the gifts died with them. That is their argument. Now, why do they argue this? Number one, I'd like to say this right off the bat. Nowhere in the Bible does it ever say this. I will... I will literally quit the ministry if anyone can find me a verse that explicitly states or even suggests that once the last apostle died or once the last apostle is going to die because they were writing, then the gifts will cease and they're no longer um, active in the church. I will quit the ministry. I will never minister again. I will never come on a podcast. I'll never preach ever again. Find me one scripture. Because cessationists, by and large, pride themselves on being intellectual. Well, we're sola scriptura, which means we only believe the Bible. You know, we don't, we don't need signs and wonders. We don't need the flashy miracles. We believe the Bible. Oh, yeah? You believe the Bible? All of your beliefs are found in the Bible? What about that one? Find me in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. Nowhere. So their, their argument is that it's for the first 12 apostles to authenticate the message of the gospel. Okay, let's take that argument. It, signs and wonders were only for the first 12 apostles. And once they died, it stopped. Number one, what would you do with Stephen? Stephen, Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 7. Stephen, a deacon. Let's go there. Stephen, a deacon. In the book of Acts. Was Stephen an apostle? No. 
Stephen was not an apostle. What does it say about Stephen in the book of Acts? All right. And Stephen, Acts 6, 8. And Stephen, the deacon, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then he got stoned to death for it. Stephen, a deacon, did great signs and wonders. Was he an apostle? No. All right, let's take Philip. Acts chapter 8. Not an apostle, a deacon. Many think an evangelist. Steve, or Philip went Acts chapter 8, went to Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Many believe seeing the signs and, like, listen to this, Acts chapter 8. Now there were, okay, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there's another example. There's another example of, of um, not being for the first 12 apostles. Let's take another example. And if, if this is going over your head, I'm very sorry. If this is too much, um, like, Bible or whatever for some people, I'm sorry. But this needs to be covered in depth. This needs to be covered with real scripture. James, chapter 5. James, chapter 5. This is an explicit command, an explicit command from the Apostle James, Jesus' half-brother. Let's go there, if I could find it. I know where James is, I promise. Dang it, James, where are you? Okay. James chapter 5. This is a command. Is any among you suffering, let him pray. Is any among you cheerful, let him sing praises. Is any among you sick? Now, if this was for the first 12 apostles, and once they died, then this would stop, and the apostles knew that. Why would James... Now, listen to this. This is his command. This is to broadly to all churches. Like, this is a broad command to the church at large. Not, not to... Not to um, like, he's not writing thinking, okay, this is only for this time period, and once I die, everything I say is void, and nothing is, you know, once I die, don't listen to anything I say. No, this is for, his hope was that it's for the church that will continue being read. You know, the apostles knew that they were being used to write scripture. Peter even claimed that Paul's writings were scripture. So this is what he said. Is any among you sick? James 5.14, let him call for the elders of the church. Let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. Now, who are we calling for? The elders of the church, not the twelve apostles. The elders of the church. When? All believers. Who? All believers. Not just for the first couple decades of of the early church and for just the first 12 apostles elders of the church and isn't it interesting that it's a broad command is any among you sick that's like writing me that's like me writing a letter because the church at jerusalem was a mega church and most scholars believe that james was at the church in jerusalem so 
it would be like me writing to um you know because it was like thousands like even by the th- what the fifth chapter of acts there was like um what was it three three thousand plus you know thousands i mean it had to have been like five thousand to to ten thousand even people that's a mega church that's like me writing to to lakewood joel osteen's church it's like an apostle writing to them and saying is anyone sick you know there'd be a lot of sick people is anyone sick call for the elders of the church have them anoint you with oil and the prayer of faith will save the sick i really don't think people read the bible like like really so there's a broad command so was it for the first 12 apostles no and was it for the purpose? Listen, was was that for the purpose of authenticating the message? No. That was for the purpose that God's will is to heal. And he didn't want anyone to be sick. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. So is it God's will for you to be sick? No. Why? Because he gave a broad command. Is any among you sick? That's a problem. Call for the elders of the church. Have them anoint you with oil. The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. That was, for, that was not for the purpose of just authenticating the message. That was for the purpose that God wanted his people healed. So number one, the biggest um, claim by cessationists, the sign gifts were only for the first 12 apostles to authenticate the message of the gospel, but died out with the last apostle. The last apostle. Now, number one, that is nowhere in scripture. Number two, we see other people performing signs and wonders. Take... Um, and uh, Ana- bro, if I get this wrong, I know his name. It's Anae. Um, wow. Sorry, guys. Listen. Listen. I've seen people, not like ministers, not be able to find books of the Bible before, and I've been there. Anaeus. I knew that. Okay. He was just a regular believer. God told him to go to Saul, go to this house on this street, lay your hands on Saul, and he'll regain his sight. Now, that's a miracle. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a miracle. Was he an apostle? No. He was a believer. These signs shall follow. Listen to Jesus. Acts, uh, or Mark 16. These signs shall follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will lay their hands on the sick. And they will be healed. Jesus said that. In, I can't even. These signs shall follow those who believe. Not, these signs shall follow the first 12 apostles. These signs shall follow your pastor. These signs shall follow um, only up until the church is established and then they won't. These signs shall follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll pick up, they'll drink deadly poisons and it won't harm them. They'll handle, they'll pick up serpents and it won't harm them. They'll lay their hands on the sick and the sick will recover. Not for the first 12 apostles. And if it were for the first 12 apostles, what happened? Now you have to ask yourself the question, who are the first 12 apostles? Are you counting Paul in there? Because the first 12 didn't include Paul. It included Judas. And he got replaced by Matthias. 
So are you thinking, okay, when Paul died? Or are you thinking when John died? Because ask yourself this question. Paul explicitly told Timothy, his son in the faith, who he was passing the baton onto. In his last letter that he ever wrote in the Bible, he said, stir up the gift or fan into flames the gift of God that came on the inside of you. He was talking about the Holy Spirit in context. The Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Fan into flames the gift of God that came on the inside of you through the laying on of my hands. Okay? Paul was about to die. So why did he not mention to Timothy? Like, if, if Paul were to die, John were to die, what, did Timothy just lose the gift? Like, one day he just woke up and he could not um, get anyone healed? It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. So the first argument... Ridiculous. Number two, the second argument, it's a, it's a lot like the first, but you should, you should know this because people bring this up as well. Um, you could call it 1A or you could call it point two. The sign gifts were only for the establishment of canon, meaning the Bible. The closed canon of scripture means the Bible in its whole, meaning once everyone, all the books of the Bible were written, that's when miracles stopped. And they'll refer to... Um, to this scripture right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This passage of scripture. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 13, and chapter 14 talk about spiritual gifts, the gifts of the Spirit. If you ever want to learn about the gifts of the Spirit, the first place I would point you to is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14. The whole thing is talking about spiritual gifts. 12, he starts talking about spiritual gifts. Then in 13, he takes a short break to talk about love, but he's still talking about spiritual gifts in contrast to love. And then he takes chapter 14, goes right back into it, talking about spiritual gifts. Now, a lot of the time, people use this scripture, these, these, these three chapters, to say, you know, Paul talks about spiritual gifts, but at the end he says, but I will still show you a more excellent way. And then he talks about love. And they say, amen, how many know that we shouldn't be looking for miracles, signs, and wonders? We should just be looking at love because Paul said it was greater. Well, that's not what he said. Stop, stop pursuing spiritual gifts and start pursuing love. He actually said the opposite. He said, earnestly desire the best gifts. That's a command from Scripture. So 12, 13, and 14, they'll use this passage in chapter 13, verse 8, and they'll talk and they'll start with this verse 8 Paul says love never ends as for prophecies they will pass away as for tongues they will cease as for knowledge it will pass away for we know in part and we prophesy in part but when the perfect comes the partial will pass away when I was like a child I spoke like a child I thought like a child I reasoned like a child when I became a man I gave up childish ways for now we see in a mirror dimly but then face to face I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, love, and, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. So they'll take this passage and they'll say, um, when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. And as for knowledge, it will pass away. So they take this to mean... Paul says it right there. When the perfect comes, tongues will cease, prophecy will cease, and the gift of knowledge will cease. 
all of the spiritual gifts, they'll pass away. And they say, okay, the perfect comes. Well, that means the perfect is the Bible. When the Bible is canonized, then the, then the spiritual gifts will pass away. Now, here's the problem. Does it ever say that? No. Is it even talking about the Bible? No. What is he talking about when he says these things will pass away? When is he talking about it? As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. When is he talking about? For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. What is he talking about? He's talking about in heaven. He's talking about the fact that when we get to heaven, there will be no need for tongues. There will be no need for prophecy. There will be no need for the gift of um, uh, knowledge, the word of knowledge, healing, miracles. Because now we see dimly. We, we only know a little, and that's why we prophesy a little. But when we get to heaven, we're going to know everything. We're going to be face-to-face. Now, face-to-face, what does that mean? Face-to-face with Jesus. Why would we need to have tongues when we're face-to-face with the Father? Why would we need to have supernatural word of knowledge when we know everything? Why would we need to have prophecy when literally Jesus is standing before us? Those things will pass away in heaven when the perfect comes. But that's not when the Bible is canonized. That's ridiculous. They're pulling that out of thin air. That is, that is a major assumption. That's a major doctrine to build some, some assumption, like often of an assumption. Like we think that means the Bible. Um, so we're just going to say that the gifts of the Holy Spirit have ceased. That's ridiculous. And then... For all those people who love to, to talk about 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13 as like a, an out for not talking about spiritual gifts. After that, he says, now faith, okay, the last verse. Now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Next verse, chapter 14. Pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts. There he's back at it again. Especially that you may prophesy. Now let's get into this here. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not unto men, but to God, for no one understands him, for he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Let's let's go down for a little bit. Listen to this. Verse 5. I don't think people know that this is in the Bible. Now, I want you to all speak in tongues. Now, I want the first 12 apostles to speak in tongues. No, I want you to all speak in tongues. Ridiculous. Now let's find this verse. All right, um, let me see. Do I have to look it up? It's right here. It's in this. I just have a new Bible and it's not highlighted. Okay. Bear with me here. A direct commandment from Paul to all you cessationists who um, get nervous when people speak in tongues. This is a direct commandment from Paul. This is from God by the Holy Spirit. So my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. 
Now, if the Bible says, do not forbid speaking in tongues, why are there churches across America with signs outside of their sanctuary that read, no speaking in tongues in the sanctuary? And why is it that Christians who've grown up in dead denominations their whole life get nervous and call it false teaching and call it demonic when people speak in tongues? You're exactly the people who Paul was writing to. Do not forbid speaking in tongues. God knew there were people like that. People who don't care what scripture says want to make, make themselves feel more comfortable and they're weirded out by tongues, so they say, okay, no speaking in tongues. God knew that, so he included very explicitly, do not forbid speaking in tongues. Now, that's a hard scripture to get around. I'm sorry. So was were the spiritual gifts just for the, uh, the canonization or the collection of scripture? No. How do we prove that? Not just from the Bible, because we we've already proved that from the Bible. I want to read you just a couple quotes from church history, way beyond the, last 12, the first 12 apostles, way beyond the canonization of Scripture, way beyond the writings of Scripture, way beyond the establishment of the church. These are well-respected and highly respected and trusted church fathers in the early church after Scripture was canonized, after Scripture was completed. Let me read you some of these quotes. And if you're Pentecostal and you believe like we do, I'm doing this so that you have um, basis, you have a, a confidence for what you believe. So the next time someone challenges you on it, you have an answer. And at the end of this, I'm going to give you the real reason I believe why people, if it's not, if you can't find it in scripture, why do people believe it? That's the question. And I'm going to end this with why I believe that people do not like this teaching and they oppose it. They oppose the gifts of the Spirit and, and in doing so oppose the Holy Spirit as a person. A quote from Justin Martyr in AD 160. Now many believe that John, the last apostle, died in AD 90 or AD 95, okay? So AD 90, AD 95, whatever you believe, that's fine. He died before um, AD 100, okay? This is in AD 160, Justin Martyr, very well-respected, very well-respected um, church father. He was a massive leader in the early church, Justin Martyr. He wrote this, For the prophetical gifts remain with us, even to this present time. So you, you okay, you want um, to have an in intellectual conversation, you want to quote your specialist, you want to quote your, your, um, your, your um, Bible scholars and say, actually, in the early church, we don't see anyone speaking in tongues. We don't see any of the prophetic gifts. This is Justin Martyr from antiquity, from history. That's what he said. For the prophetical gifts remain with us, even to this present time. Irenaeus in AD 180. Irenaeus is very well respected. People quote him all the time in their, in their dissertations for their PhDs and their seminary papers. But they won't touch this with a 10-foot pole when it comes to Irenaeus, this is when he's writing against heresies, okay? For some do certainly and truly drive out devils, so that those who have been thus cleansed from evil spirits frequently both believe and join themselves to the church. Others have foreknowledge of things to come, 
They see visions and utter prophetic expressions. Others still heal the sick by laying their hands upon them, and they are made whole. Yea, moreover, I have said, the dead have even been raised, and the church and, and remain among us for many years. We do also hear many brethren in the church who, present, who possess prophetic gifts and who through the Spirit speak all kinds of languages. So in that right there, Irenaeus is citing in his present day in AD 180, almost 100 years after the, um, the apostle John, the last apostle, died. When, the, when many claim that the gifts should have ceased, Irenaeus is saying, for some, do, he's seeing people cast out devils. He's seeing people healed of, healed, um, healing the sick. He's seeing people speak in tongues, prophetic gifts, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. He's seeing all of these things in the church. Still to this day, he says. So what were those? What, what is that? You can throw out Irenaeus. You can throw out... Um, Justin Martyr, you're going to have to throw out a ton of early church fathers and say they don't know what they're talking about. They're crazy. Then you're not, I don't even believe that you're even part of the church anymore. They're so foundational to the church, you cannot throw them out. Lots of what you do and believe is because of their teachings, based on the Bible, but because of their teachings. So you're going to have to throw out a bunch of the church. You're going to have to throw out the Catholic church. You're going to have to throw out the Protestant church. You're going to have to throw out every single thing. All right, so if AD 180 isn't late enough for you, let's go to AD 350. Were things still happening in AD 350? 250 years after John died. This is what Basil the Great says. This, another church father. The Spirit enlightens all, inspires prophets, gives wisdom to lawmakers, consecrates priests, empowers kings, perfects the just, exalts the prudence. Listen to this. Is active in gifts of healing. Gives life to the dead, frees those in bondage, turns foreigners over to adopted sons. Augustine. All right, now I'm going to give you an example of someone who was a cessationist. I've got to wrap this up, man. Was a cessationist, um, but could not could not um, discount what was actually happening. Even Augustine. All right, this was in the fourth or fifth century, so we're getting far out there. Augustine, who is probably aside from Paul, the most respected early church father. Okay. Augustine, who writes in his early writings, stated quite significantly that Christians are not to look, okay, for continuance of the gifts of healing or, or of healing gifts. So Augustine held the position, Christians should not believe in the gifts of the Spirit anymore. They've ceased. He believed that. He decidedly changed his views while completing his magnum opus, The City of God. Thus he wrote, once I realized how many miracles were occurring in our own day and which were so like the miracles of old and also how wrong it would be to allow the memories of these marvels of divine power to perish among our people, it is only two years ago that the keeping of records began here in Hippo and already at this writing we have seen 70 attested miracles. If miracles passed away, if the gifts of the Spirit passed away, and now it's all fake, or now it's all, you know, you're, you have a lot of explaining to do. You have a lot of um, trusted early church fathers that not just Pentecostals trust, Catholics, 
Protestants, Methodists, Lutherans. Martin Luther trusted these people. John Calvin. Good Lord. I mean, John Wesley. Like, you can't throw these people away. And if you, they're either crazy, they're lying, or they're true. So you got a lot of explaining to do if you believe that. And I thought, you know, just to wrap it up, sorry that this, this took long, but, but listen, I had to, you know, I had to cover this. I, I literally did. Those are two arguments from um, cessationists that are completely false and completely debunked. That it was just for the early, the first 12 apostles and that it was just for the canonization of scripture. Completely false. And I told you that I'd give you the reason why I believe people speak like this and believe like this. Because they don't want to believe it. They don't want to believe that God still heals. So they'll go to any means to justify the fact that he doesn't. Why? Maybe because of past trauma. We prayed for so-and-so and they didn't get healed. So it's easier for them to believe that the word of God is false and that they inject their own teaching and their own doctrine into scripture to justify the fact that they prayed for their grandma and she didn't get healed. Charismatics are the ones that are always accused of putting, um, putting experience over theology. But really, it's what cessationists do. Let me let me read you this quote from Jack Deere, who wrote a book called um, he wrote a book called um, "Surprised by the Power of the Spirit." He once was a stark cessationist. He believed all this thing, this stuff was demonic. He believed that it was fake. These doctors' reports were fake. And when coming to the conclusion that because he he said he taught college, a uh, Bible school, a seminary, like a serious one. Dallas Bible or Dallas Theological Seminary. That's a major seminary. That's not Pentecostal charismatic in any way. He taught the school and he said, "You know, I've been teaching my students to do something that I'm not even doing, and that is reading the Bible without any lens, without any presuppositions." And he said, "Okay, I'm going to take this amount of time. I'm not going to read the Bible or the New Testament with any assumptions or any presuppositions, any lenses, and I'm going to see what I come out as on as the end." at the end. And he came out as a continuationist. He said, there's no way I can read the Bible without injecting my own views and come out on the other side, believing that God doesn't do miracles today. And he said this, it is common for charismatics to be accused of building their theology on experience. However, all cessationists ultimately build their theology on miraculous gifts of the miraculous gifts on their lack of experience. Most cessationists are not cessationists because they read and the Bible is scripture that's a compelling argument that says, okay, I read this in the Bible. It seems that miraculous gifts have ceased. Most cessationists are cessationists because they look into their own experience and they don't see it line up. And so in doing so, they put their experience over the word of God. Dangerous. And it's even more dangerous when they then, because they're too stubborn to admit it, then attribute the works of the Holy Spirit, healing people, casting out devils, to then the works of Satan. My friend, you're getting very dangerously close to blaspheming the Holy Ghost. That is exactly what Jesus said is the unforgivable sin. 
Listen, I'm going to close in prayer. I'm sorry if this was like a lot, if it was just too much, but I would encourage you, listen to this again. Take notes. You will be challenged on this and you have to have the answers. Too many times charismatics and Pentecostals are labeled as dumb, as stupid, as don't understand anything. You know, you're just going off of your experience. No, we're the ones that have the Bible on our side. So let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this time. I pray that you would anoint the minds of our listeners that they would be able to receive everything that we talked about today, that their minds would be enlightened, that their spirits would be enlightened to hear all that you have to say. Lord, I pray for those who are stubborn in their ways, who don't want to believe in your power. Lord, show them your power through your word and through your spirit. I pray that miraculous signs and wonders would be done to prove to them that you're still alive and that you're still real. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Listen, guys, I love you a lot. I've got to go very soon. Um, I love you. Jesus loves you. Um, I'm not kidding. Go back on this. You will definitely, definitely need um, to know this information because mark my words, you will be challenged on it. I promise you. I promise you. If you continue as a Pentecostal charismatic, I guarantee it. All right, so take notes, everything. Don't forget, every Friday morning is Friday morning Bible study. Um, And I want you to join. All the information is in the post about it. Um, It's not changed the ID and stuff. They're all the same. So I love you. I'll see you again this Friday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern time. Um, DM us if you don't know. Um, And if you want to join our text list, get messages from me and get um, have my number in your uh, in your phone book so you can ask questions and get updates for what's going on in the last gen go to last gen l-a-s-t-g-e-n dot superphone superphone dot i-o and fill out the form and you'll be in our phone book i love you guys i'll talk to you again later